So as we've looked at these different ways of how to fulfill different purposes, uh, God has uh, basically brought us together for a purpose and said that we're better together, that it's not his intent that we would be on our own, that that we would uh, sort of appear in, in the world and maybe come to find a Bible and come to him and then we would just sort of live out our Christian life on our own. He said, no, 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 I, I've got this thing called a church. And the idea is you're to belong to a church. You belong to a group of people so that you can live your, out your faith life and you can walk out your faith life together and uh, that you can love each other, that you can reach out together, fellowship together, grow together, and also serve together. God didn't put us on earth to live a selfish life. He didn't put you on earth just to sort of, you know, take up your space and breathe your air and drink your water and consume your goods and it's all about you and, and take as much as you can, get as many toys as you can. God puts you here to make the world a better place. God puts you here to serve in a ministry in his kingdom in some way to contribute uh, to the uh, expression of his kingdom, the expression of his love and his grace and his mercy in the world. That's what he wants you to do, to practice serving him. And how do you serve God? You think, uh, you know, what would you like to do to serve God? And you think, I need to be a missionary, or I should be a pastor, or be on the music team, or be doing something in church serving God. And that's part of it. That's part of how you serve God is in that way. Um, but also you just serve God by being excellent in what you do. And we had a, a sermon on, on the purpose of work back near the end of the summer, and we talked about that, of how God puts us here for a purpose to be excellent in what we do and express his grace and his mercy and his justice and his love through the things that we do in our life. So that's how we serve God. But most importantly today, what I want you to start out understanding is that we serve God mostly by serving other people. If you look through all the ways that God asks us to serve him in Scripture, it's mostly serving other people, that we serve God directly when we're serving other people. One of the most famous teachings on this that Jesus gave, I'll use as an illustration of that, is in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 25, when he's speaking to the people about how they served him, how they served the Lord Jesus. And the people who were listening to Jesus as he said this, they asked him, they said, these righteous ones replied to him and said, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So you see, we serve God by serving others. Jesus says, when you were serving these other people, when you were feeding them, when you were giving them a drink, when you were visiting them in prison, when you were taking care of others, you were taking care of me. You were serving me. How do we serve God? By serving others. God asks us to protect the weak, to serve the poor, to take care of the ill, to visit prisoners, to love one another, to bear each other's burdens. And you remember I talked about James a couple of times last Sunday. James uh, is was the brother of the... the earthly brother of Jesus, and uh, so he knows a little bit about his brother, and uh, he summed up Jesus' teaching on true religion as he saw it. James saw it this way, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So how do we serve God? True religion? Serving those that are marginalized, serving those that need our help, widows and orphans and those that are in desperate situation. That is service to God. And you say, Paul, wait a minute. God wants us to serve him directly by worship and prayer and songs and tithes and offerings. And that's true. God does want us to serve him in that way. I'll grant you that. But God loves our service to him in worship. That's true. 
But God only finds that service acceptable if it's done alongside and it's done in the spirit of helping others. You understand what I'm saying? So you can say, but, but I serve God. I, I come here every Sunday and I tithe and I sing and I'm, I'm an usher or a greeter and I'm, I'm serving God directly. Isn't that enough? And the reality is, is that God loves that service only if you're doing the other service too. After hundreds of years of God, of Israel, sacrificing at the temple. You want to know temple worship? Israel knew worship. I mean, they had the temple feasts. They had the sacrifices. They had the whole priesthood. They had it all down pat. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, they were doing this worship of what they thought was worship to God. And God had to explain to them that through his prophets that it was not acceptable. That God finally says through the prophet Isaiah, after all these hundreds of years of service to him, supposedly in the temple, he says, I've had enough of your offerings and your sacrifices. I hate your festivals and your feasts. Even though you increase the number of your prayers, I am not listening. And then he says to his people Israel, he says, learn to do good, seek justice, punish evil, defend the weak and the abandoned. So God says, look, your service to me, your worship to me, It doesn't mean anything to me unless you're doing this other, unless you're loving other people, unless you're showing mercy to people, unless you're serving other people, your worship and your service to me, I hate it. I don't want you just here on Sunday morning singing praise and thinking that you're doing me some favor. I want you serving together, reaching out to people who are in need. God wants us to serve each other and to serve the world. That's what gives him pleasure. That's what serving God is. And so understand that, first of all, when we talk about serving God, God really wants us to serve each other and serve the world. Philippians 2, 2 says, agree with each other, loving one another and working together with one heart and purpose. And that's what we're going to look at. How do we agree with each other? How do we love one another? How do we work together in serving God and serving each other and by serving each other, serve God? And why do we need to do it together? Why can't we just do it on our own? Three quick reasons. I'll just skim through because we've touched these before. Three reasons why we need to do it together is because we're family. We work together as partners who belong to God. You're part of God's family and he intends us to work together. And that he is building relationship and building his church and his family stronger as we serve together. Secondly, because we need each other. And we talked about this in depth when we've talked about the body of Christ and spiritual gifts. We need each other's differences. We need each other's different gifts. We need each other's different ideas. We can't serve people effectively alone because we only have one piece of the answer. We need each other to have the complete answer in service. And thirdly, because we get more done. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better off than one because together they can work more effectively. And we know this. We know this, is, this isn't news to us. Teamwork multiplies effectiveness. And uh, where two are good, four are better. And where four are good, eight are great. And, and, you know, you just keep expanding and you think about the things that can be done as we work together. So one of the reasons we serve together is to be more effective. Uh, Just one example, you think of the great missionary work that came out of uh, Europe and North America over the last 175 years, the 19th and 20th century of missionary work. That was not done. That spreading of the gospel and the evangelization of China and Eastern Europe and Africa and South America and basically a lot of the globe by thousands, tens of thousands of missionaries over that 150 years, that didn't happen with you know, groups of three or four people meeting together and, and having coffee and, t- and talking about the Bible. That missionary movement happened because of churches 
who had the resources to build seminaries and after building seminaries trained missionaries and then put administrative and, and, and logistical systems in place to send those missionaries overseas and put schools for their kids overseas and built churches and built other schools in other nations in order to literally get tens and tens of thousands of missionaries out to the world. And so we serve together because we just get more done when we do stuff together. When the church works together, we have incredible power. And so that's what God intends for us to do these things together. And so we get more done. But today, that's, that's sort of setting up the, the reason why we work together and, and, and to serve God by serving each other and why we do it together and not alone. Um, but the focus of today is our, our mission and our teams that we work on in our ministry here at Lakeside specifically. And um, so um, what we're thinking about today and what I want you to sort of focus in on is how we work together effectively because we have Sunday school ministries and we have the greeting ministry and we have um, our mission ministry and shepherd's table and youth ministry. And, and a lot of you, many of you are involved in these ministries and you're working together with other people in those ministries. And so today what we want to look at is how do we do that effectively? Just four simple rules or four simple uh, practical ways in which we can be better at serving together in our ministry teams. And I'm using the word team specifically because it's based on the acronym of the word team. So we're going to look at T-E-A-M, team, how we build those teams and how those teams are most effective in serving God and serving each other in our ministry. And the first one, the T of team and how we serve effectively together in a team is trust. Trust is the emotional glue that sort of draws you closer to your friends and to your family and to your small group and to your ministry group. Without trust, you're never going to have an intimate relationship that God wants you to have. And when you think both Jesus and Paul traveled with a team, they never ministered anywhere by themselves, and they're our model. And so when you're serving God, you should always be serving together in a team. And when you think of your ministry team and the first T in team, you think of trust. If you look at the insert in your bulletin, it lists our five core areas of ministry. And it lists beside each of those five core areas of ministry the elder team that's responsible for each area. And it's always a pair. The basic layer of our ministry foundation is a two-person team. One person who sort of takes on the bulk of the leadership, but with a support person to share the load. So nobody in, in Lakeside is a lone ranger. Nobody is out there doing it on their own. Every ministry has a team right from the top down or from the bottom up, whichever way you want to look at it. To build your team, you have to share responsibility. And to do that, to have a team of two or three or four or five people, you have to have trust. And at Lakeside, we're specifically steering away from sort of big committees. Uh, as your pastor and your elders, we're not keen on seeing of teams of seven where two will suffice. And uh, we don't have to have eight people making decisions when we trust our leaders because Team building and serving God is based on trust. And so when, when the elders approach you or I approach you or staff approach you and, and says, you know, you're, you're in charge of this ministry, you're the leader of this ministry with your teammate, then we trust you to lead. We don't need you to have a committee of eight people to make every decision. We trust you to be the leader in your area. So that's the foundation of trust is that these teams are based on trust. And you, and you have a partner. Go do great things. We trust you as leaders. But how do we, how do we build trust? Quickly, you earn people's trust by being consistent. People don't like surprises. We have this little byword on the elders board, uh, which we started a year ago or so, 
which is basically no surprises. It means good communication. You know, you can do lots of different things as long as you communicate it to people because people don't like surprises. So if I was to show up this morning and, uh, you know, just do something completely off of script or, or that nobody expected, then everybody would be surprised and it would break down trust between me and the elders. And so we have this thing of being consistent because people don't like surprises. In Luke 16:10, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And today, everybody wants to serve God in big ways, in sort of spectacular ways. But God says, look, you start building trust by being consistent in the small things. And so in your ministry, as you're serving God, just be faithful and consistent in serving God in the small things and build trust by that consistency. Character is not built in the big things you do. Character is built in the little things that you do that nobody sees. And so just think about your own ministry, think about your own service, and just think about how you can be consistent in doing and serving well to build trust in your consistency. One of the examples of this is our Sunday school teachers. They do this week after week. There are a thousand little things that our Sunday school teachers prepare ahead of time and that they do for your kids that you never see. But the result of all those little things that they're consistent in doing every single week is a great Sunday school that you trust. When you come in here, you send your kids down to Sunday school and you trust that they're going to get have a great time and they're going to learn truth about God's word and they're going to be loved by those teachers. And so you just trust our Sunday school because it delivers consistently week after week after week. And that consistency and that trust comes from all the little things that our Sunday school teachers do week after week. And so... The beginning of building great teams and serving well together is trust, and that starts with consistency. The second thing is you think about serving together in your groups, and this is really practical today. As you're serving together in your groups and you want to build trust in that close-knit service team, whether it's Sunday school or the music team or wherever you're serving in missions or outreach or shepherd's table, working in the kitchen, whatever, you want to build that tight-knit team that trusts each other, you have to be confidential. The second thing is you have to be confidential. People have to trust when they tell you something, when they share their life with you, when they unload something that it doesn't get spread all over. And and one of the rules for your small groups that you probably went over is that what happens in the small group stays in the small group. And that's true of ministry too. The stuff that happens in ministry, in the heart of really serious ministry, needs to stay in ministry. You need to be confidential to build that trust. And I'm not being overly dramatic. I'm being serious. Ministry in church is hard. It's hard work to do ministry. You pour yourself out in ministry in the church. Again, whether it's music team or or Sunday school or whatever you're doing, you're pouring yourself out into ministry, and it's hard, and you put yourself out there. You know, you put yourself out there in a very personal way when we lead and we serve in a church. And so I'm serious when I say we need to be confidential in those relationships because we're dealing with people who are really bearing their soul. They're pouring themselves personally into their ministry. And when those tight-knit relationships happen, they have to be trustworthy. They have to know that as they share their life with you that it's confidential. And so as leaders in your ministry or as volunteers in a ministry, just know that as you're serving together, protect each other's confidentiality, that we should care for each other in such a way that we're not going to uh, betray a trust in that way. And the best teams are built on being confidential. The best teams are the teams where the leaders are best friends and they share their deepest needs and they pour the most of themselves into each other. And that builds the greatest team. 
And conversely, if you want to rip up a team, you want to see church ministry team, you want to see serving together in a church fall apart, just betray a few confidences and see how fast a ministry team falls apart. Tell a few secrets that people have revealed in your ministry team and see how fast your ministry team disbands. If you break confidentiality, you will break your ability to serve together. And so it's important that we build this trust by keeping confidence, that we, that we can trust each other. And thirdly, by being close. You want to build trust with your teammates. You want to be a great leader in your ministry team. You want to be a great volunteer or helper in your ministry. Then just be close to your ministry team. Don't just show up on Sunday and serve together and then go home and never speak to each other again. The best teams, the best ability to serve together, the most effective service people are people that are close to each other. In Proverbs 17:7, it says, Friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. And that means being close together. It says you're together, you stick together. And just, just be close with your teammates. If you want to serve really well, you need to be close. That's time spent together. Time creates trust, or you could say trust takes time. Either way, time and trust kind of go together. It's hard to trust people that you don't spend time with. And you spend time with people, you will inevitably build trust. And so I'm encouraging you that when you serve together here at Lakeside, my picture of ministry at Lakeside is ministry teams, bear with me here, ministry teams that are serving together, they're playing music together, they're teaching together, they're greeting together, they're serving shepherd's table together, they're doing all these things. But not only are they doing that together, but they're going over to each other's house for a barbecue, they're going out on the boat together, they're going on a hike together, they're actually spending time together as a ministry team to get to know each other as people, to actually love and care for each other as people outside of ministry, that they know the names of their, each other's kids, that they know who's sick or who's going through a tough time at school or they know what tests are coming up and they know and are in each other's lives because they're close. And when you have that closeness in your ministry team, your service is more effective and the T of trust grows. You, you trust each other. So the first thing is that we have to have trust if we're going to have effective teams and serve at our best for God. The second thing in our teams here at Lakeside is we want to have empathy. It takes empathy. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.8, live in harmony with one another and be sympathetic. And you can't have the first. You can't have harmony without, be sympathetic, without being sympathetic, without having empathy. You can't have a team without being aware of what's going on in each other's lives. You know, it's more than just working on a project together. You know, to serve in, in senior high youth and to, and to uh, be in those kids' lives and to be sharing what you're sharing with those kids and going through high school and going through dating and going through all the stuff that they go through. You know, the leaders and the people that are involved in that, they have to have empathy for each other. They have to be able to uh, care for each other deeply in order to have an effective ministry. If you're going to build a team of friends or build your small group or anything else, strengthen your family, you have to have empathy in there. there and, and there's three ways in, in which we can build empathy, just again to be really practical. The ways that we build empathy in our team, think about this team leaders out there as you build your teams, is first of all to slow down. Speed destroys empathy. And the reality is in our life right now, uh, it just seems like speed is everything. We just kind of pass each other and skim over the surface of each other um, usually, and I'm guilty of this, with my head down texting somebody else while I'm talking to you. And so we're carrying on two conversations at once, 
and and I'm just trying to get through my conversation with you quick enough that I can get all the other things I need to get done in my day. And and you may not at that moment really be a person at that point. You're just a means to an end of me accomplishing a task. <laughs> and that's the reality uh, of our life is everything is just so fast. And so the first thing you have to do in your teams is you have to slow down. You have to actually take time to build care and empathy for each other. We can't just relationally skim. It's not just, hi, how you doing, and, and on to the next person. And James 1.19 says this. It says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And, and, this, and I'm bad at this part. We were just talking about this the other night, actually. <laughs> this is a little fact. The average human being can comprehend about 650 words a minute. 650 words a minute. But the average person speaks 150 words a minute. That means there's a 400-word boredom factor between what they're saying and your ability to comprehend it. Okay? <laughs> Mark and I were just talking about this last night. And, and so, and guys, we're so bad at this, right? Because not only is there a 400-word boredom gap, but probably you don't actually need those 150 words in the minute to figure out what it is that she's saying. You know? She's only 20 words into it, and you've already figured out where she's going to be in 150 words. And so now you have literally like a 500-word boredom gap, and you're thinking, what am I doing with my time for these 500 words? I'm, I'm so bad at this. Guys are bad at it. And it's not an excuse to say that you can watch TV and listen at the same time, even though technically maybe you can. Um, but that's the reality. So the, the, the first thing in building empathy is we have to slow down. We have to look at each other. We have to listen. We have to just accept the fact that there's a 400-word boredom gap in our ability to comprehend and communicate. And we have to listen and, and take that extra time on every word to understand what it is that's being said and to have empathy for each other. And that's how you build a good team is by having empathy uh, for one another. So slow down with your team members invest in listening to each other secondly you build empathy by asking questions and that just that's just how how you show empathy to your children or to anybody else as you ask them question proverbs 20 verse 5 says a person's thoughts are like water in a deep well but someone with insight can draw them out you have to draw people out if you want to be empathetic you have to draw people out if you want to be a strong team leader and serve well together in a team most people don't blurt out their emotions. Some people do, but not very many. Most people hold their emotions and how they're feeling pretty close to their vest. And so if you walk up on a Sunday morning and you say, hi, how are you doing? They're going to say fine, and that'll be it. But ah, are they really doing fine? And the way to be empathetic with them and the way to, to draw people out and serve well together with them is to actually ask them, say, tell me, what is going on in your life right now? You know, ask a question like that, or what's on your mind this week? What have you been thinking about the most this week? You know? And then when, they, when, then when they give you a topic or they give you something like that, then you just say, tell me more about that. You know, just draw people out in order to build empathy. And then the other thing is you just sort of learn to linger. You don't be afraid of silence as you're talking to people. You know, just be in the moment, stay in the present, ask the question, and just let that question kind of sit there and give people time to answer. Don't be immediately on to the next thing. Because it might take a little while for them to open up and share. It might take them 30 seconds or whatever to think through how they're going to speak. And so just, just take time to sit with people and don't be afraid of silence. Don't just skim by to get your agenda done, but actually spend time with people. And then thirdly, we show empathy or we build empathy by showing emotions. That's how you empathize with people. Romans 12:15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
And so empathy is more than saying, I'm sorry you hurt. Empathy is saying, I hurt with you. And so again, as we're spending more time together serving God together, when we're serving each other together in our teams, and, and again, this is really practical this morning. I'm speaking to team members and team leaders that you want to build trust, you want to build empathy, you want to build into each other's lives, and it's to show emotions with each other. It's to, to weep with those who are weeping and rejoice with those who are, are rejoicing on your team. Just, just feel the emotion that they're feeling and be empathetic. And how do you do that? How do you show emotions? Basically, you stay filled up with God. If your tank gets empty of God, you're not going to be empathetic to anybody because you're going to be filled up with yourself. Because that's what happened, right? When, when you're empty of God, you're full of yourself. And when you're full of yourself, you're not empathetic at all. But if you keep your tank filled up with God, if you are in the Word and in prayer and in Scripture and you have the Holy Spirit just rising in you and you're feeling in touch with God, then you're going to be more empathetic and more open to hearing and sharing with others. And so as a team leader or a team member, as you're serving together, you have to be God-filled so that you're self-empty. And that allows us to share our emotions with others and hear and, and share their emotions. The third key to team building is the A, and the A is accommodation. It takes trust, and you have to build empathy, and then this, is, this one's really good. That's on a sort of personal level. And then A is accommodation. This is really practical. It takes accommodation. We're all different. different, different. When you make accommodation for somebody, right, it means you, make the, you, you get them a room, right? That's what accommodation means. If I accommodate you, it means I have a guest room for you. You know, if somebody has accommodations, there's room for somebody, and that's what accommodation means. In our ministry, as we're serving together at Lakeside, when we're doing our Sunday school or music team, again, all the different examples, shepherd's table, as we're serving in these different areas, greeters and ushers, anything, we have to accommodate each other. We have to make room for each other. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22, be faithful, loving, and easy to get along with. And so now, this is be clear here, I'm not asking if you think you are easy to get along with, because of course you think you're easy to get along with. What I want to know is whether other people say you're easy to get along with. And I've met a, long, a lot of people that are honestly confused why people don't really like working with them, and they think they're just awesome. And in many ways they are. They're very gifted, and they're terrific at what they do, and uh, they want to help, and they have talents, and they're serving, and they'll, hear, they're, you know, they'll be here 10 hours a week to help out, but they can't seem to fit in with a team. And there is this tension and trouble everywhere they serve, and they wonder why. And it's because they think they're easy to get along with. But as they say, the proof of the pudding is in the, eat, is in the eating. You know, the only way of judging whether you're accommodating is how other people feel you're accommodating, whether you're easy to get along with. You know, the proof of a comedian is in the laughter. It doesn't matter how funny the comedian thinks he is. If nobody's laughing, he's not funny, right? That's the reality. So this is the same thing with this accommodation. It's the same thing with this easy to get along with. If other people don't find you easy to get along with, you're not. It doesn't matter how great you think you are. And so 1 Timothy 2.22 says, be easy to get along with. And if you want to know the truth about how easy and how accommodating you are to get along with, then ask the people in your team or ask the people in your group and believe them when they tell you. If they say you are, are, they, that you're easy to get along with, that's awesome. If they say you're not easy to get along with, believe them. They have no reason to lie. So if they say you're not, ask how you can be more accommodating. And uh, there's a couple of areas that you can consider for yourself where we need to be accommodating. Here's the ways we need to accommodate each other. We need to accommodate each other's needs. 
the needs that we have in our lives. It says in Romans 15 two, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us and ask ourselves, how can I help? And this is about putting the needs of others on your team ahead of your own, you know, and even looking out for their needs. You're always looking for ways to serve them. The biggest leader is the biggest servant. And the higher up the leadership you go, the more people you have to serve. As the head of the staff, it's my job to make sure that my team has everything they need to do their job. If, if anybody on the staff is lacking something, that's my fault, right? My job is to make sure that I'm accommodating their needs, whatever they need, so that they don't have any roadblocks in able, being able to accomplish their mission. As a leader and as a serving on a team, it's your job to accommodate the needs of others and make sure they're effective. Isaac drums on the music team, and his leaders on the music team make sure that he has everything he needs. They provide the schedule, and they send the reminder out, and they send the music out each week, and they keep an eye on him during practice to make sure he's keeping up or he hasn't misplaced anything. Good leaders are looking out to accommodate the needs of others. That makes us effective service and ministry on a team. Secondly, we need to accommodate each other's ideas. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:15, the intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. And so we have to remember this, that not everybody is the same. And we've been saying this for a few months now. We've been talking about the body of Christ and how we're all parts of bodies and we're all different and we have different spiritual gifts. So we've been over this. But we need to accommodate each other's ideas. Everybody has different approaches to how things are done. And so good teams and good leaders accommodate those other ideas. And that doesn't mean that as a team here at Lakeside, we're necessarily going to adopt every idea. So just because somebody shows up and has an idea doesn't mean it's instantly the best idea in the world. But it means that we find a place for that idea. We find an appropriate place to listen and hear everybody's different perspective on how to do ministry and find an appropriate place for everybody's idea. Everybody's different has different ways and we need to accommodate those differences and those different ideas Accommodation goes both ways as well So if you're the person showing up with the great idea You have to realize that there's others ideas that need to be accommodated And so your idea isn't necessarily going to hold the day We work together to listen to those ideas and work them together and that's how we serve god most effectively That's how we uh, serve together most effectively is by being accommodating to each other's needs and to their ideas and thirdly their personalities everybody has different personalities that god told us in romans twelve six. he says he's in his kindness he gave each of us different gifts and personalities to go along with those gifts so some people are tender and caring in response to situations and some people are very business-like and organized and some people are very generous and some people are very thoughtful And uh, some give directions and others follow directions. You know, it all depends on gifts and personalities in each situation. And there's lots of different personality classification systems. I mean, people ask me whether I'm orange or whether I'm green or whatever. I don't even know what that means. Um, You know, type A and type B, uh, INSJ, ENTJ, Myers-Briggs, whatever. There's all kinds of different personality types out there. I know I'm Pavlovian. Ring a dinner bell. I'm there in 30 seconds. So Pavlovian I am. I don't know about any of the other ones. But there's all different sort of personality types. And God wants us to use our differences to make a difference. Just as everybody has different ideas, we need those ideas to reach people unlike ourselves. And we need everybody's different personalities to reach people that are different than ourselves. If, if, if we as a church at Lakeside were all identical, then we would only attract people that are identical to us. And so we need people in jeans for the people that wear jeans. We need people in ties for the people that wear ties. You know, we need people with tattoos for people with tattoos. We need people with short hair for the short-haired people. 
you know, we need the sports nuts for the sports nuts and we need the nerds for the nerds, you know, like you got to have all the different personalities so that we can reach all the different personalities that are out there in the world. So we need these differences in the church. We need the quiet people to engage and represent the quiet people. We need the old, the young, you know, we need the loud people to engage with the loud and the boisterous. We just need differences in each other and we need to accommodate those differences in our personalities to have a great team and great ministry in serving God. And then most important, I think, in accommodation is, fourthly, we have to accommodate each other's faults. This is the big one, working together in ministry as a team, is how we accommodate each other's faults. We have to do what Ephesians 4.2 talks about. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. It doesn't take long if you're in a new group or a new ministry team and you join that ministry team and you think, oh, these people are great and they're doing such an excellent job and it's so fun to be a part of it. And it doesn't take very long after you join to realize these people are flawed. These people have deep, deep troubled issues. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not as perfect as I at first thought. You know, you realize uh, it's, it's not great. And it's, and it's the same thing with a with a with a church or, or even you get a new pastor and you, you that new pastor comes and you think he is awesome you know and it doesn't take long before you realize he really is awesome <laughs> no no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm funny i'm a good comedian anyway people laugh no you think he is awesome no i'm just kidding no you realize that he has faults and he's not perfect either and so in in the team t-a-t-e-a-m uh, the A, the accommodation, the toughest one is accommodating each other's faults. And to be a good team, to work together here at Lakeside, to be strong in our ministry teams, we have to accommodate each other's faults. And when you find out you're not in a perfect group or you're not in a perfect ministry team or you're not in a perfect church, you have to decide, are you going to ignore it and try and pretend like everything is okay and everything is perfect? Well, that just creates resentment. And that just builds resentment over time if you just pretend it's not right. it is good when it isn't. Or are you just going to quit and walk away and leave the team and go and find a perfect church or a perfect ministry? Yeah, that won't happen. Um, you won't find a perfect church or a perfect ministry. Or are you going to learn to accommodate the faults of others and just as they're going to accommodate your faults? And the amazing thing about accommodation is it doesn't make us weaker. The incredible thing about accommodation is it makes us stronger. And we're not trying to do things alone, but because we're accommodating with each other, we're doing things together and really sharpening each other and growing together. And the final key to being a team with just one point is the M. And it's the most important of all because without this M at the end, you're not really a team. You're just a social club. You can have trust and you can have empathy and you can accommodate each other and all of those things and still not be a team unless you have a mission. And so to be a team, you have to have a cause. You have to have a purpose. You have to have a mission. Teams do not exist just for themselves. Ministry doesn't exist just for itself. Ministry has a mission. The church has a mission. Every ministry group that we have has a mission. Philippians 2.2 says this, Be of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And notice that it says it's maintaining that purpose. It's something you have to maintain. It doesn't just stay there. You have to put energy into it. And so we have to maintain God's purpose in our ministry and in our life. And as you serve together and as you build teams together and as you work at maintaining the mission, recasting the vision, encouraging one another in the accomplishment of your purpose, God's church has a mission. We at Lakeside have a mission. The ministries that are a part of the church's mission at Lakeside, all those individual ministries have a mission. Because without a mission, you're not a team. Without a purpose, there's no point in being together. 
So Sunday school is on a mission. Shepherd's table is on a mission. Women of the word is on a mission. Um, the benevolent team is on a mission. The greeters are on a mission. The audiovisual team is on a mission. They're all on a mission to accomplish something within the greater purpose of what God has called his church to do. And so to be a team, you have to have a mission. And I just want to hear quickly, I've got five different teams that I want to just have share just a minute on what they're doing. And so if those five could come forward, the idea of this ministry week, this, this, this sermon today and this ministry week in our small groups called to serve is to know how we can connect to serve in the church and to be part of a team. And so these five particular team members are going to share and uh, talk about how you can be involved in their team. And then afterwards, you'll find people wearing name tags, and any of those name tag people are, are a team leader. And so if you're looking for a place you can serve, if you're looking for a team you can belong to and where you can use your gifts, then you can talk to any of these people with name tags afterwards about their ministries. Not just these, but any ministry.